scripture for today's sermon comes from Psalm 37, verses 1 through 5. The word of God speaks to us. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not anxious, be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just co-signed everything that Derek just said, uh, including the fact that it is his daughter's birthday, and she's going to have a killer birthday party out there at that retreat, and we want you to be a part of it as well. We actually just want you to be a part of Quincy's birthday for this retreat. So we hope that you would dive in right there. It is summer, and we have new summer rhythms, and, and things are changing a little bit with people traveling in and out for a good season. And just as was mentioned, Jeff Nine's sabbatical starting. We're going to be sad to see you go, and also really happy for this time for you. It is a big thing. We also recognize that, that people are in and out a lot more. What we want to talk and start looking at over the summer, though, are the rhythms that God has given us. These rhythms of grace for our good. So we're starting this sermon series this week. I'll introduce it today. And it is something that is for our good. It's also these rhythms, these regular patterns that are, are taking place that are actually grace given to us. And for us, learning how to live those things out. And so I, I just want to name the problem that so many of us have. We live in a culture in which we're, we're convinced that we're all thinking things. That if we know right, if we know enough right, then we'll do right or do enough right. And, and we just keep kind of thinking that there's some equation that's going to balance out of no right, do right. No right, do right in this. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that that's not the case. It's interesting, we think that if we just show up in the right places enough times, that we'll end up being the right type of people. And, and I came across this quote recently, it's really helpful for me, and it's something I think instructive for us as we step into rhythms of grace. Would you throw up that Willard quote for me? It, it is this, going into a church doesn't make you Christian, doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you a car. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that from a person who has been trying to be a car many times in his life. And just trying to be a Christian because I, I was in the right room at the right time. What we want to be are people who just look to God's word and say, God, I need your grace at work in my life. I can try, I can try, I can try. And I'm not going to quit trying, but I actually need your grace. And so would you pray with me? I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray for me and for us to not just people who show up in a room thinking that we're Christians, but that would actually listen to the words of the Lord and respond accordingly. Father, we need you. We need your grace on our lives every moment of every day. We need your help to actually hear and receive the truth of this. We need your working power in our lives. And so God, help us to, to do more than just go through the motions this morning, but to actually hear and respond to you and what you're doing. 
need you, God. Meet us right now. It's in your precious, it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Maybe you're like me and you hear phrases like rhythm of grace and you're, you start to think, wait a second, what do they mean by that? What do they mean? And maybe you're like me and then you start to get skeptical and start to say, well, they're just trying to hide the term spiritual discipline. And, and what we're talking about are spiritual disciplines, but they don't want to say that. Uh, and you start to think about these things. And I'm like, wait, spiritual discipline? And maybe you're like me in which uh, the term spiritual discipline starts to stir up all sorts of things in you. You start to think, well, like, like, man, I've tried those, or, or I start to fill out a list, and I, I can come up with lists of things to do, and I can read things like Colossians or other place in the Bible, which has a lot of things to do, and I can start to turn that into, like, things that I've, I notice I fall short on a lot. I'm, I'm a competitive guy. I'm a, I grew up playing sports. I like to win games. I, I, I just a competitive thing. And, and I, I also recognize I grew up in America in which there, at least conceptually we like to think of like, man, if, if you'll just do your best, you do your best, you get what comes to you. And sometimes we can bring that into faith. One of the criticisms of of Christianity, one of the criticisms of believers is that sometimes we just reduce all of this to do's and don'ts. It's just a list of do's and don'ts. It's just, it's just like stay away from this. And, and, and listen, if that's what it has become, that is a valid criticism. What God has called us to is something so much more beautiful than a simple list of do's and don'ts. He's actually called us to life and flourishing and joy and, and finding our wholeness in him. He's called us something, but I, I'm afraid I do this in my own life. I, I'm guilty of this more times than I care to admit is that I can just re- fall into one of two kind of ruts. One is laziness where I just kind of sit back and like, ah, it's all grace. God's going to do every bit of it. Or the opposite of just trying to find shortcuts. just want to, sometimes I, I just want the shortest, the shortcut to success, to shortcut to growth, to faithfulness, to all of these types of things. And let me, let me illustrate this for you. And, and let me just kind of throw this out in a way and in an, a picture that could be, I'm just going to warn you, this could be disturbing. Recently, I came across something called a muscly bodysuit. I don't know if you can tell from where you're sitting, but someone is holding up a silicone bodysuit of what is probably at least like, like thought of as like that is the form of a male. That's what it is. And imagine just like just kind of like fight the urge to avert your eyes and start to like look at that and think about if I were to stand here wearing one. Like I just stand in here in that. First of all, how sweaty does that person have to be that is wearing that? Like unbelievable things that are happening right there. But just like get your head in the mind space of somebody who would order that. And believe me, I tried to have it here and Amazon failed us to get it here for Sunday. But in the weeks ahead, you have something to look forward to. There you have it right there. Uh, so just think about what's going on in that headspace. Instead of like disciplining myself to eat right and to exercise and to do the things necessary to be all swole, I'm just going to buy something to, to wear 
uh, under my clothes and look this part. And unfortunately, far too often in my own life, and I, I, I would guess in other lives, we'd rather just put on a facade than actually walk out what we're called to. It's easier to look apart than to live apart. It's easier to say the right things or buy the right things and, and to sit up straight when we come in than it is to actually say, God, form these things in me. And what I want you to hear as we start this whole sermon series is that God is inviting you to something really beautiful, not something fake, not some rules to keep, not some checklist to do, though there are things that we do. He's inviting you to real life and not some spiritual bodysuit. He's inviting you to put on the robes of the king. Oh, Siri's telling me. Siri came up with bodysuit right there. It's deeply concerning. Throw that away right there. And so this morning we're going to dive in and we're going to use Psalm 37 as a bit of a, a lab, a little bit of a Petri dish where we're going to study and kind of look at some things. And it helps us because in a really encapsulated way, it gives us a number of things to do. And we're going to try to, to tune our hearts and our thinking to not just reduce this to, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just going to do this or act like I'm doing this. I'm going to do these things. No, we want to actually see that God is calling us to something that is much bigger and more beautiful than just our list. And so let's dive in right here into Psalm 37 and pick it up with these words, even before verse 1. If you have your Bible, if you're actually reading from a printed Bible, and maybe if you have it in an app or something, it might say this too. But what it says right here at the beginning of Psalm 37 is before even verse 1, it says, this is a Psalm of David. David wrote this, and there's something here for us that we need to catch, that we need to recognize. David, this shepherd boy who becomes king. David, this one who is said to be a man after God's own heart. This is a psalm given to us by David, written probably in his older age, of, of sitting down and saying, Oh, friends, learn this. Notice what he says. He says, Fret not. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and, wear like the gr and wither like the green herb. Fret not. That's such a strange term for, for our age. Maybe your grandmother uses it, but most of us aren't using fret. My great-grandmother used frazzle all the time. I'm like, who says that? And I, I had the same feeling reading, fret not, and yet David uses it three times in the first eight verses here. There's like uh, this idea of there are things around you that are swirling. Fret not. And you got to think about, like, what, is, what does it even mean? Fretting is that almost imperceptible rumbling. It's an imperceptible rumbling in, our, in us, in our minds, leading to anxiety or anger, fear, all sorts of things. It could lead to all sorts of feelings that we carry around us. That fretting that is almost imperceptible in the fact that we, we actually notice it usually after it's already got us. After it's already at work. Why am I all flustered? Why am I all like upset? 
Why am I carrying it? Why am I worrying this? Guess what? We're probably already fretting. We're already there. And the, the, the reality is that there are difficult things in life. There's circumstances that are terrible at times. There are people that, as, as the psalm talks about, that are evildoers or wrongdoers in this. But, the, but this isn't focusing on them or even the actions. This is focusing on the person who would call themselves a follower of the Lord. How do you handle that? How do you just say, like, okay, fret not. I'm just going to stop fretting. Well, thank, thankfully, uh, that's not where David leads us. He leads us to actually more. And so we get that in verse 3. Verse 3, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And so he rattles through four things really fast for us that are imperatives, that are verbs for us to think about of of how we're to live. And so if we're going to be a people who are not fretting, here's the first list. Resist the urge to just try to turn it into something that we're checking off. Notice what he says, trust in the Lord. How do we live that out? Stop, stop looking around to everything else. Stop putting your trust in, in everything uh, around you. Start putting your trust in this one. Believe in this God, this one who keeps his promises, this one who has again and again shown up, this one who every page of scripture speaks to and lets us know that he is the promise keeper. But it doesn't stop there, right? Trust in the Lord. Actively trust in the Lord. Don't just write it down or think about a happy thought around that. Actually, with your actions, in the moments, trust in the Lord. Do good. Stop looking around and do something. Instead of, like, tightening your fist in anger or fear or trying to hold on to everything, actually do good. Open your hands to those around you. Be a blessing to those in your life. Actually think, like, I'm trying to control every situation. What is that? It's me not trusting. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to grip and grab hold so it doesn't all slip away from me. Actually, stop. Open your hands. Do, do good. Do something good. He goes on, dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. I think this has less to do about, like, where you're going to find your your dream home, what what city you actually live in, what neighborhood you actually live in. It's It's like, stop looking around for greener pastures. Stop. Stop looking at everything else and thinking that your happiness is going to be found in some other circumstance. Some other job, some other marriage, some other financial situation, some other fill in the blank. Stop looking around for the, the, where the grass is greener and dwell in the land that the Lord has you in. Set up roots. Put stakes in the ground that says if it blows and it blows hard, like, I'm not going anywhere. Because I trust in the Lord, and I'm right here trying to walk this out with him. And then it gives this weird phrase, and I, I love it. It truly is one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible. It's such a good one for us. And the honesty of the Psalms on display. Befriend 
faithfulness. Man, I think about this one all the time. What does this look like in my life? Befriend faithfulness. It's when, it could be a nice kind of like Hallmark card, right? It could be a nice one that we just talk about. It's one of those that goes on the stained glass, but is hard to actually live out. But think about how we befriend anyone in our life. There's, a, there's some measure of pursuit. There's some measure of going to that person. Today, it's like, man, hey, let's go grab a burger. Let's go grab some time together. Let's sit down and let's, uh, let's, let's just talk. Why don't you come over and watch the game with me? Why don't you do this? Let's grab some time together. But befriending faithfulness doesn't look all that much different. It's saying, God, what, is you, what have you called me to? And then pursuing after that. But not pursuing it as something to check off, pursuing it as a friendship. Befriend faithfulness. And so we have these things. We we get these things real quickly thrown out to us. We just looked at four of them. How do we respond in a way that leads to life? How do we do this in more than just a checklist as as opposed to what we've done in the past in which it feels like an anchor? It feels like, man, how do I? God, it just feels like all these more things are getting heaped on me. I thought grace was free, but there's all sorts of things that I, I just don't feel like I measure up. That's a good indicator that our, our perspective is off. Our perspective is off. And so one of the things that we want to do over the course of this summer is, is just be really aware of our thinking. Be really aware of the way that our, our brains are sometimes leading us astray. Now, don't hear me say, stop thinking. That's not what I'm saying. We're, we're thinking people. We're reading people. We want to be learners. But we also want to recognize that we're not just thinking people. And I'm really thankful for a book. I'd recommend it. It would be a great summer read for you. Uh, you are what you love by James K.A. Smith. It's such a, a, a great read, and he's really helpful for us as we think through this. And he paints a picture of people, us, you and me, largely thinking that we're just these intellectual knowledge receptacles. We just receive enough information, and then it's going to kind of make its way out of us. If I just know right then I'm going to do right. Think about it as those tubes when you drive up at the bank and you shove your money into the tube and then you send it and you think it's all there, everything's good. I mean, we put a lot of trust in those tubes. If you're the, the bank in this situation and you just think that enough, if enough information gets shoved in those tubes, then I'm going to have everything I need. We often think of just how we live and walk, that, that we, we, we reverse it. We think you are what you think. And that's not entirely untrue. It's just not the whole truth. That's what we assume. That's how we, we live in this world. It's, a, it's so much of a modern thought and less, less than biblical thought. But if you are what you think, then, then just filling up this thinking organ with Bible verses should translate into Christ-like living, shouldn't it? And if I just get enough in here, then I'm not going to struggle with impatience or my temper or lust or greed or any of those other things because 
I have all the information. But what if instead of starting to to just think of this as a knowledge dump each Sunday, it's actually stirring our affections because we're more led by our hearts than we are our brains. Let me illustrate this for you. No pictures, I promise. I can't control Ben, but I, I promise I don't have a picture for this one. I am a person that has to pay attention to certain things. I have heart history in my family and things to pay attention to for long generational, all sorts of stuff. I also am a person of a certain frame. That's nice for saying I'm big boned. Like my dad was a barrel chested man, like a 50 gallon drum walking around. And so like I'm a man that could put on 30 pounds without blinking and almost no one would notice. Like I could blow up really fast and and all of those things. So I'm like, okay, I know these things. I need to watch my diet for cholesterol, every bit of that stuff. I need to pay attention to certain things and and watch out for it. But listen, I love tortilla chips. And that's not my only vice, people. I love ice cream too. And I can moralize this in all sorts of ways. I love those things, right? And it's social eating and it's all good. But to the best of my knowledge, there's zero nutritional value in tortilla chips or ice cream. But I love both of them. And my daughter every night is like, oh, let's have a bowl of ice cream. It'll be good bonding time for us. It's really good for us. I'm like, yeah, we probably need that, don't we? I know certain things, and yet I'm moved and compelled by other things. I just want to submit that that's true in a lot more areas than just what we eat. I'm already thinking about lunch tomorrow. I'm not lying. I'm already thinking about potentially this burger that I could eat or the worst equivalent of stopping at Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, oh, what is it? I'm thinking about all these things because why like my affections are stirred in these Uh, my affections are stirred and we do this we come to church week in week out and often we just think of it as an information dump when what we're actually saying is God we need you to engage and stir our hearts otherwise I'll just have a list of do's and don'ts James K.A. Smith puts it like this super helpful for us you can't not love and so the question isn't whether you will love something as ultimate the question is what you will love as ultimate he goes on to ask the following what if the center and the seat of the human person is found not in the heady regions of of the intellect but in the gut level regions of the heart how would that change our approach to discipleship and Christian formation? And so I just humbly submit to you that what we're talking about as we step into rhythms of grace is less about do's and don'ts and far more about God tuning our hearts to love him more. There are actions, there are things for us to know, there are those pieces, but what happens in us What changes when we're tempted with all sorts of things, when we're tempted again, and we will be, but our affections have changed. And the response to temptation is no longer, I shouldn't. But Lord, I don't want to because I love you. 
because you've changed my heart. What happens to those things? Living out these rhythms of grace starts with our affections, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end right there. So let's keep looking at our passage and keep walking through Psalm 37 in light of not just our bodies as acting things or our minds as thinking things, but our, our hearts as deeply feeling things. And the Lord is calling for all of those. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And so verse 4 tells us this. As we wrap it up, we'll spend the rest of our time just unpacking these three things. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Notice that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. First of all, every single person in this room wants the desires of their heart. It is a non-negotiable, you are a liar if you tell me otherwise. You have things on your heart, and you want those things. But I want you to notice right here, it doesn't simply say delight yourself. You and I have things that we want. You and I have things, and we, we, think, we, we think that if we just get the things that we want, then everything will be right. But notice where this rolls. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Those other things are not going to fill you up. Those other things will not satisfy. They weren't intended to. Those other things will not save. They were not intended to. Delight yourself in the Lord, and you will have the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean that you're going to have that new truck. It doesn't mean any of those things, but it does mean that your affections, you will have everything that you're longing for when you find it in the Lord. Notice, secondly, that it is an emotion. Delight is an emotion. It is more than an action. I, I challenge you to walk out today and say, I delight in this unbelievable wind that is coming every day in Oklahoma right now. Force yourself to like those things, to, to delight in those things. It's not possible. Part of it is an emotion. And this is where we recognize God's grace at work. The both and of what he's calling us to. The both and of this. Of delight. You stepping to this. You delighting in the Lord. Recognizing that it is him who changes our heart. And gives us all of those pieces. Friends. Training ourselves. And tuning our hearts to delight in God. Is a rhythm of God's grace in our lives. It's a rhythm. It's a gift given to us. And so how do we actually walk this out? Well, our verse doesn't end there. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then it moves directly to commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. And hear this. Hear this. Being formed in Christ is not a mysterious, irrational process. Like, it's not like winning the lottery in which we're like, man, I sure hope if I just, if I just play the lottery enough, then, then someday I'm going to win, right? My odds are in my favor. They're not. 
sometimes we approach faith as like, man, if just God would strike me with spiritual lightning, if he'd do it. And so then we start going after those shortcuts of spiritual muscly body suits and, and sitting up straight every time or, or not doing certain things so that God would somehow light me. And guess what? The, there are places and there are times in which God moves and in a moment changes a life. There are moments where we've seen God heal people in a moment. We've seen God set people free from addiction. We've seen God in an actual moment in time step in and miraculously do those things. He does send dreams. He does work in miraculous, powerful ways. Even today, even right now, God does do that. But the regular means of grace is slow and steady putting yourself in the places in which God works and operates. In the rhythms that God has given us for our good, in which he's given us this place. It's, it's tilling the soil of our life so that his good seed would grow. The regular means of grace comes out of the slow and the steady, and God working through committing our ways to him. That's exactly what he says. Commit your ways to the Lord. And this is not just here in Psalm 37. In fact, it, it is a regular theme throughout the Bible. You go all the way back to Joshua on the Exodus, and Joshua stands before them. As for me and my family, we will follow the Lord. What is he doing? He's committing He's not committing for everybody. He can't commit for everybody. But he's saying, as for me and my family, we commit to the Lord. You look at the book of Daniel, and you see the, the three Hebrew boys in, in the furnace, literally facing death at this furnace that was made for them right here as a punishment for them. And they say something really fascinating for us. Like, our Lord is able to save even if he doesn't, he is good, and we're committed to him. He is good. I remember when we showed up at the hospital for our first one being born, and there's so much excitement, there's so much there, there's so much, in a room full of people that are, like, I assume that 90% of people in here are pregnant. Like right now, like so many people in our church are having babies. So I just assume uh, like all sorts of people in here are pregnant. And so I just remember all the feelings of like, I don't know, up from down right now. And I remember the visceral feeling of walking into the hospital. And the, we stopped as we were stepping into it. And we took each other by the hand and just kind of paused in the parking lot to look and, and say, like, there's no what ifs with God. Whatever happens in here, we are committed to God. And praise God, our story was like we left with a healthy baby. And I know that's not everybody's story in here. I know there are people longing to be pregnant or longing to be married. I know there are, are people that are, are longing through brokenness and difficulties. I know there are people here who have lost babies. And so please hear this, like, 
there are difficult circumstances in life. But we're called to commit our way to the Lord. And there are no what ifs with God. And then finally, delight yourself in the Lord is part of commit your way to the Lord. And trust in him. Trust in him. You see, this is the second time in in our short section where the psalmist uses the word trust. In these first five verses, this is the the second time he says trust. Trust is one who formed the stars and the sunsets to form you. Trust is one who's been at work in your life from before you even had life. This one who... Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who saw, trust this one who Paul says in Philippians, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Put your faith in the one who again and again has shown himself faithful. And stop trusting in your own way and in your own understanding. Instead, trust in him. Trust in him to help you delight in him. Trust in him to form you more and more into his image. Trust in him with your attitude and your actions. Trust in him for all of it. And so we have these things, commit and trust. uh, Delight in God. Commit your ways to him. And yet there, there are basics in which we so often overlook. One pastor put it this way. He says, don't underestimate or disdain the, the value and power of plotting. Staying in harness, faithfully advancing, keeping your lines straight, trusting that the reaping will eventually come, that every celebration of harvest is preceded by a thousand unspectacular steps of simple obedience. We walk these things. We walk out the daily rhythms God has given us. These rhythms of grace that are for our good and for our learning to delight in him. And yet, one of the simplest and easiest ways of walking this out is often one that we overlook and skip the most. Simply attending the gatherings on Sunday. The lowest of bars, and yet the easiest to just lay down and miss. Friends, before we step further into this series, I just want you to hear as clearly as possible that our hope is not in keeping a list. Our hope is in the grace of God. This one who's at work in you, this one who has been giving grace since before you were born. And this one who began a good work is faithful to complete that good work. It's all his grace. And part of that grace is calling us to walk in a a different way. And so as we look to do these things, we look to delight in him. Lord, help me to delight in you. Help me to walk after your ways. Help me to commit my life to you and to trust you in every way. Man, we're asking you to 
to cancel your order of your messy, muscly, spiritual bodysuit. Cancel all your fancy church clothes. Cancel all the attempts to be good by your own measure. And lean into these rhythms with us over the next few months to not just know more about God, but to delight in him with our whole life. Would you pray with me?